You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Neil Potter. Hey there. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Laugh Button Network, thelaughbutton.com. Today's guest, week, I think this is 16 of the pandemic, is originally from New York and can only be described as an international man of mystery. He has been a speechwriter for John McCain and Governor Jeb Bush. He's the co-author of Anthony Acumia's biography, Permanently Suspended, and true crime novel, The Body Snatcher's Wife. His most current venture is Tom Dreesen's ghostwriter of the new memoir, Still Standing. Please buy that on Amazon now. It's terrific. I got mine. But he might best be known for his work on my old web series called Superstar Talent, where he plays my agent, Craig Weissman, and lands me a series called Everyone's Nuts, where I get hit in the nuts every episode. How did I not win awards for that? It's Johnny Jackets R- Russo. Lenny, if I was if I was your agent, I would have dropped you a long time ago, Lenny. You, you, you'd be at William Morrison's ever right now, and they would have dropped you too. <laughs> right. I, I, I was trying to think the last time. I mean, I, Neil and Lenny, I haven't seen you since Eisenhower was uh, president. I was, try, I, was try, I was trying to think the last time I saw Lenny. I think is when I dragged you down to stand up New York when I was pretending to date Oksana Bayul on a reality show that never happened. Yeah, you're like, do you want to date Oksana Bayul? You want to meet Oksana Bayul? And I'm like, the Oksana Bayul? Like, yeah. all right, wait. Yeah, like the, yeah, the, the triple lux broad on, <laughs> on the Olympics. All right, I got to go through this. First of all. This- oh, wait, wait, by the way, I'm not ghostwriting. My, my name is on that book, that recent book. I'm on, I'm on the Sinatra. I'm above Letterman's name, for God's sakes, on that, on that book. <laughs> I'm not his ghostwriter. <laughs> it's, well, I mean, it's, a, I guess, written by. I know by. what you meant. I just break them for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go back to the beginning, okay? Let's, did does- you go out, wait, did you go out with Exxon no, I told people I did, but I really, I, 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 it, was, it was for a reality show, and she hated me. Oh. <laughs> she, she seemed kind of mean. She was, yeah, well, she's, you know, she's from the Ukraine, so they have that disposition, generally. Oh, but, okay. uh, you know, yeah, yeah I, you know, we, I mean, we hung out for like a week, and I tried to make some moves, but, you know, she wasn't having any of it. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, most people. Did she just talk about her gold medal in the 1994 Winter I Olympics? I saw the medal. I actually put the medal on. I saw it. She had an apartment. And this is a weird thing. Like, right over the George Washington Bridge in Fort Lee, there's this apartment complex where, like, all Russian athletes live. Like, like Russians that play for the Devils and the Rangers. Uh, uh, that's basically it. But they all live in this, like, one complex. And, like, it's a little community. And they have, like, uh, a Russian deli with, you know, like, salted fish and whatever the Russians. And they borscht. Or super, it's all in that little community, and I was—I went to her apartment, and we were filming there, we're hanging out, and I put the medal on, and she, you know, brought actually won a gold medal. I think when she was like sixteen. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then she got a lot of money and went nuts. Yeah, yeah oh, she's actually crazy, but you know, like every other broad I ever met in my, in my life. Uh, well, if you're holding her gold medal, I count that as dating. 
Yeah, yeah, that's totally dating. All right, hold on. Let's go back. You're you're like I met you when you were what? 17, 19? 17 years old. 17 Seven, years old. Okay, you're 17 years old and you were back then even then 17 going on, I don't know, 70. You know like At least. Yeah. Yeah. I At don't least. get this. Tell yeah, me I, I had, Yeah, I had my AARP card when I was 17. Uh, why? <laughs> the question is why? Where did you grow up that you like fell in love with like Vegas and the Rat Pack and uh, and what was your house situation is this just old Italian family and they, they taught you everybody's walking around now, saying you know broads you know what I'm, I'm half Irish and half Italian I actually grew up my name was John Tui it was T-U-O-H-E-Y but my mother's side of the family was Italian and Russo and Russo is just you know it's just a better name if you go into the show business so I changed my name when I you know started doing getting into comedy at 17 but um you know, it was apple pies and ball games. I really had like a great childhood. There was nothing, you know. I never got molested by a priest. <laughs> I never, like, like nothing bad. Like literally, nothing bad ever happened to me. I grew up, you know. Parents, my grandparents fought in World War Two. You know, made a life for themselves. What, went out to Long Island. What did your parents uh, do? What did your parents do? My grandfather uh, owned a trucking company, a very successful trucking company called Tojon Trucking mm-hmm. in Oceanside, Long Island. Oh, and. And uh, and he employed my dad, um, and, it, and, and, it, and that was the entire family. They would deliver to like CVS, and back in the day, I don't know if you remember Genevieve's Drugs, Genevieve's Pharmacy. Yeah, I remember that. Think, yeah, not the, not the mob family, but the, like the <laughs> pharmacy side. But uh, th- that's also another part of my family, the Genevieve's Pharmacy. So they delivered to all of them, and it was a very successful business for over thirty years. Well, first and, of and, all, and, and, you know I'm from Oceanside, right? So, yes, I know your dad. Yeah, I know your dad lived in Oceanside. Yeah, so yeah. I think I know Toe John Trucking. You probably picked up my dad, one of my dad's clunkers every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, any, anything your dad bought from a Genovese pharmacy came from my father's uh, oh, that's it. My that... grandfather's trucking company. A, a, a couple of things might have fell off the truck here and there to give signals. <laughs> you guys had a lot of Bengay in the house for some reason. I get it. Yeah, and you know what? And, and, and they were very successful. And my grandparents, they had a house in Vegas and they had a house in Montauk. And I grew up going to Vegas five, six times a year until I was, you know, until the year 2000 when, you know, they, they, they sold the house. But I grew up in that, you know, like uh, Vegas old school nostalgia environment. My grandmother was obsessed with Sinatra. Yeah. Uh, they all, you know, it, it was all about, you know, Frank and the Rat Pack and. And, and my grandfather would take me to work a lot, and we'd drive in his – he had a Jaguar, and he had one of those first, like, car phones and the thing and, uh, in the car. And we would just listen to Sinatra music. I think that's where my nostalgia thing came from. And when I realized what was going on, you know, even when I was in high school and everybody's listening to Britney Spears, the Backstreet Boys, or some rap bullshit, I, I, I was like, this isn't for me. I, I, I need something on my own. I want, I want something that I can own myself, that I'm not a part of the herd. And – I found that in Woody Allen movies. I found that in Sinatra and in Jerry Lewis and Martin Lewis and in the Rat Pack. I think I, I, I could own that. I, that could, I could be the only one that has that in my age group. Well, So I wanted something on my own, and I had that. I thought it was odd, but did kids your age thought it, think it was odd? Like you're walking around like quoting Woody Allen, Broadway Danny Rose movies, very old school Italian stuff. Like Yeah. Yeah, Broadway Danny Rose. I remember, I remember when I was 17, me and you caught in Broadway Danny Rose at the comic strip or just walking around and hanging out right. at the bagel shop. I mean, that that was really my first thing. I was like, it, it was always, there was used to be a uh, channel called IFC, and it was and Broadway Danny Rose was on all the time, and I ignored it forever. So one time I actually watched it, and I was I got enthralled. 
And, and Broadway Danny Rose is really just nostalgia. Black and white movie, 1984, Woody Allen, nostalgia show business. Yeah. And I just became enthralled by it, and I immersed myself in, in that world. I read Woody Allen biographies, I read, uh, read all of his albums, watched every movie, and that led me to you know, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, Martin and Lewis, and then Sinatra and the Rat Pack, and my grandmother was enthralled with Frank, so I had all this material with Frank. So I felt like I, even at a young age, I could own that and I had that. I wasn't part of the herd that was listening to whatever modern but, stuff that, you know, Z100 was putting out that week. I, I, I that, have something to myself. Did that come first or did, did that stand-up follow that? Yeah, did you want stand- to be a stand-up? No, I never thought about stand-up until I heard Woody Allen. Uh, Woody, Allen okay. Woody, Woody, Woody Allen's stand-up albums are just like a masterpiece of right. writing and delivery and timing and everything. And I think, you know... I think I was a junior in high school, and I said, "This, this is what I'm going to do. I have to do this." I remember telling, and I, and I remember telling my parents, because I, I was never great at high. I was ne- never got great grades. I was, you know, a C D student. I was in the stupid class. But um, <laughs> also another story. I actually found. Uh, I was going through my teacher's drawers one day, and I found a key, and it turned out to be the master key to every lock in the high school the master key to every and i would go in and this is true i, I would when the basketball team was playing i'd go into the locker room i'd take all their jewelry out i'd steal everything from them and i'd pawn it and go to belmont racetrack and spend everything on that. <laughs> i don't know i don't I, I think the statute of limitations i mean i just committed a felony admitted that wait so I, think, I think the statute of limitations but uh yeah <laughs> when i knew i wanted to be a stand-up i told my parents and my mother my italian mother would just a guess. She's like, who becomes stand-up comedians? Who are these people? It's like a, it's like a Seinfeld thing. It's like, who are these people? What kind of people are you going to be? But uh, the, the first time they saw me at the comic strip, it completely changed their world. Like, oh my God, my son, it's great. But yeah, they were a guess. They, they didn't know how I could make a living at it or what I would do. or But, you know, you, but I knew at that age that, I, that that's my path and that's what I'm going to do. But you didn't make uh, a living at it. You didn't really work hard at it. You worked to get in there. And- I did <laughs> No, I didn't. I didn't make a great living at it, but you know, it led me to other paths where I made a living. Right, like, I mean, that's I'm true. A living now, it led me to the writing. It led me to other avenues, into politics, into books. That's right. Um, and to, so it led me into other paths. I mean, you know, if 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 I really, if 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 I dedicated myself to that, I, I would have no doubt I would have been successful at it. I remember Lenny at, at, at uh, Aziz, right. Aziz Ansari, starting out at the comic strip. That's right. And uh, you know, he, they, and I used to bully him. I remember like walking, you know, in, the, in in that little kitchen area before you go on stage, and like you know, throwing him an elbow or something. You know? <laughs> God, I mean, if if I knew what if I knew what he would have become, I would have been his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why you got to be nice to everyone, John, on your way up. Yeah, I, well, now I am. I, I, I've had, I've had. Uh, oh, I've had come a Tony on! You were, you were such a you, Tony Robbins. Yeah, that Neil did all twelve chapters of that. <laughs> and, uh, I built up, I built up an immunity to Tony Robbins. I'm the only one. Yeah. Neil goes. I'm going to Tony Robbins. He does like forty five tapes. I'm on tape forty five. Yeah. His life yeah, I, goes. I saw the documentary on Netflix. That's all I know. His life goes great for thirty seconds. He's like, ah, fuck it. Like, Given two months later, he's right back to being Neil. Yes. Um, yeah. So wait a second. Wait, first of all, let's go back. I missed one thing. Where'd you learn how to play the ponies? That's what you guys. That's what your family did. Went you know, to the track? I always went. Uh, and this is another. This is another. Well, I think it's funny. Other people will think it's probably horrendous. But my, my grandfather, my Italian grandfather, always loved the ponies, and we would go to Belmont. We go to the racetrack, Aqueduct Belmont. And um, 
the first race I ever won, it was my 13th birthday, we're at Belmont, and we're sitting up in the restaurant, and I placed the bet, I was a trifecta, and the trifecta came in, but the first horse fell down and broke its leg, and and the horse died, and the jockey got thrown off, and everybody's aghast. I'm on my chair screaming, is this, is this official? Is that official? Do you remember yeah, the? And we go, do you remember the horse's name? Do you remember the horse's name? No, no, no. But I, you know, what? there was a movie called uh, "Let It Ride." Uh, I think in like the late yeah, with, 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 with Richard Dreyfus. Richard yeah. Dreyfus, and and he said the exact like he won the first race, and he looked at the ticket and the board, like, "Is that official?" That's exactly. <laughs> at 13 years old, I stood on the chair, like, "Is that official?" <laughs> yeah, I was, I was waiting for the you know, the, the inquiry to come in. You know, but that's exactly what happened. But wait, now, were you gambling when you went to Vegas too? Were you gambling? Oh, sure. well, 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 you know, with my grandfather, I was. My grandfather was like the king of Vegas. He, he would go into the casino. They, they, they would they would place you know ropes around any table, blackjack table. He play at, and I sit next to him. You know, you know. I say, yeah, double down on me. And and he let me put the coins in the casino to, and, and you know in the slot machines back when they had coins. There wasn't you know the paper right. bullshit they have today. So you know, I grew up around that stuff, and but, I think it it. it, it Yeah, you wait. I, I have a question for you. You told me I remember this vividly on your twenty first birthday. I said, "Where are you going for your twenty first birthday?" Or is it eighteenth birthday or twenty first birthday? And you're like, "The second I turn twenty one, the wheels will touch down at the Vegas airport." <laughs> right? So you could gamble you know, and do whatever. I believe you said you know, that, right? I, I probably did say, you know, it didn't happen. I had <laughs> my family had a my family had a house in. Vegas, beautiful house in the, in the Spanish Oaks community. I think it's still there, right off the Strip, next to the Palace Station. And my family had it uh, since like I think 1976 until 2000. And my grandmother sold it about a week before I turned 21. So, <laughs> and you know what? It probably saved my life. It probably saved yeah. my life. I would have been. Yeah, they say she knew. All right, I want to get to two things really quick. Um, one is. Um, like you used to watch a bar, you were like a lookout for a poker game. You were so young, and they used to give you tickets to the Yankees. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My uncle uh, Brian McKenna, uh, McKenna's Pub on Fourteenth Street, still there. Okay. My, uh, my, my uh, well, he's 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 one of my parents' best friends. So out of respect, we always always called him Uncle. So he's an uncle to me, <laughs> okay. but not 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 blood not blood related. But he had a bar on Fourteenth Street. And I would go in there when I was 18, 17, 18 years old, just moving into the city and doing comedy at night. I would go in the morning from 6 to 11, and I'd have to, you know, clean up all the shit that had happened the night before and, you know, refill the vodka bottles with, you know, you know, I refill Great Goose with, you know, like the, the $13 stuff, you know, like everybody does. And they, they would have a, uh, like, in the basement, there would be a casino. There would be, you know, blackjack tables, some slot machines and everything. I, and, you know, that, that was another thing. That, that, that I'd, be, I'd be gambling there. And, you know, uh, I remember I would place bets. But this, this, is, this is the great thing that saved my life. I, I, I would place bets on, uh, you know, baseball. Like a Yankee. And I put the slips. I knew where the slips. Because every, everybody would bet. 
mm-hmm. in the neighborhood, everybody. And I knew where the slips went, so I'd play, place a bet and put the slip in. And if the Yankee and, and I put, I, I put say a hundred dollars, which I never had. I never had hundred dollars. <laughs> I'd say hundred dollars on the Yankees. The Yankees lost. I would go in the morning and just, just rip up that goddamn slip. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So they used to give you tickets to the games. Is that how we used to go to the games? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That's how we, we went to so many Yankee games. Me, yeah. you. We, I remember we, we caught a foul ball when Paul O'Neill hit a foul ball off. Of, uh, That's right. We, they, played, they, they were playing the Mariners, and we were right, right off. We were in the upper deck, like second row and upper yeah. deck on the third base side. Yeah. With with John Hartman and, and Jason uh, Grossman. That's right. Yes, and Grossman. Yeah, and Hartman caught the ball. And uh, yeah, that's how. And, and we went. The game was Lucian. That's how I really ingratiated myself with Lucian. I would bring her to baseball games. That's how I got onto the comic strip. <laughs> basically, that's amazing. <laughs> and the other question before we go, I want to say, I want to ask you. So this whole time, because of the whole Friars Club thing, I mean, because of the whole like you're enamored with that whole lifestyle in Hollywood, you joined the Friars Club at a young, young age, and this is how you really met everybody, right? That's yeah, yeah. Particularly that age. I mean, I was. I mean, they made me swear on the Bible, the Torah, the you know, the, anything you know, the phone book, anything that that I would never take a drink until I turned twenty one in that club. Meanwhile, that was my frat house. It was animal house for me in that club. <laughs> I got. I probably. I probably got kicked out of the Friars Club. I would say. 20, 20, 25 times <laughs> for what? <laughs> Drinking? For just, just, yeah, yeah, just being obsessively drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm a drinker, and you know, I, there's always exceptions to the rule. But I get along with people that drink, and I trust yeah. drinkers. But you know, I know letting you guys—I love you guys. You're exceptions to the rule, but I, you know, I like to drink. <laughs> What's your drink of choice? Uh, nowadays, it's just vodka. And you know what? I, you know what I do because I'm smart. I put Gatorade. I mix vodka and Gatorade. This way, I get my electrolytes, and I'm still, you know, <laughs> I'm still hydrated. Oh my God, you're fine. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. The next corner I want to talk about today. So somehow you you land first of all as a speechwriter for John McCain and Jeb Bush. All right, how do you meet them? Take me back to how I you met. met. I met um, a guy named Lawrence Gay. Gay is it? At Elaine's. I lived around the corner from Elaine's, and I used to go to Elaine's all the time. Again, all Hollywood. Old, yeah, old school. Yeah. So I met him, and you know, I, I was drinking one night and uh somebody introduced me to uh Lawrence Gay who happens to be one of John McCain's actually Rick Davis's best friend and Rick Davis was running John McCain's campaign at the time how old are you and how old are you then I was what was that that was in 2007 okay so that was 13 years ago I'm 38 I don't know I can't do the math I was young I was in my 20s <laughs> all right and uh I said you know, I love John Anything. And, and this is the time where McCain fired his entire staff. He was going to be the front runner. He was supposed to be the Republican nominee. And he was dead last in the post, fired his entire staff. And he hired this guy named Rick Davis. And I got introduced to Lawrence Gay at Elaine's uh, through a mutual friend. And I just went up to him. I said, you know, I know you're friends with John. Anything I could do, I'll go to New Hampshire, whatever you want. I'll do anything you need. I'm a writer, too. And it's like... You know, and, and I gave him my email address and phone number. The next day, I wake up around noon, and I get my email address <laughs> from his assistant saying, "Can you come to Nashua next Wednesday?" Oh my God. And that's how that started. And wait, 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 wait! wait. Sight writing unseen from you got on a plane and go to Nashua. And it, and it, it was it was bare bones too back then. There was like maybe thirteen people on the entire staff: and then, John McCain, Rick Davis, and maybe thirteen other people. And then all of a sudden he's a he's running for president. 
Oh yeah, and that's what he did. He he he, he fired he, the, the entire campaign was gone. We thought we were going to be in last place. He was zero or close to zero in the polls. I said, "Fuck it, we're just we're, we're just going to go to Nashua. We're going to go to every VFW hall. He's going to knock on every door," which he did, and he ended up winning it. Wow, that's unbelievable. Wow. Well, what did you do? Did you, you write? Oh, yeah, were you writing jokes? Were you writing? Yes, yes, and that's another thing with Jeb too. Um, yeah, I was writing jokes. A lot of a lot of were not used. Because <laughs> uh, he wasn't comfortable with the jokes I was writing for. Yeah, I'd imagine. <laughs> a, a, a lot of stuff was me. Um, it, it wasn't just me. After I would write something, it was a team, so everything would go through everybody else, and okay. it was always filtered. But um, yeah, a lot of the jokes weren't used, particularly with Jeff too. Um, I, I wrote so much Donald Trump jokes that Jeff could use in debates, and he never—he <laughs> was just so uncomfortable, uh, so uncomfortable. What uh, do you remember? Anything that you wrote that you were proud of that got in anywhere? Oh God, there was there was a Carly Fiorina joke <laughs> that, that he used <laughs> that he used in one debate. Um, it wasn't, uh, and, he, and he never used to try. I used, I used tons of Trump jokes he never used. There was something about. Um, Carl Fiorina would wear this like obsessive, obsessively large cross around her neck, and uh, it was something like, I, I, "Carl, you, you can kill a vampire with that cross." <laughs> <laughs> and I think he, he, he jabbed at that. So I mean, like most of my jokes, they never, they never. Used. <laughs> was, was everybody super nice and supportive? Yeah, did they oh, like yeah. you? Did they like you? What did you like? What did they think of you? Well, did it, you it, like John no, McCain? Oh, yeah. Well, I love John McCain, and, and, and I mean, and I, and I like. I mean, he never yelled at me, but I, I've seen him have some outbursts on planes before, you know, going from Iowa and, and, and particularly his scheduler. He would always scream at the scheduler because the scheduler was always having him here and there. Like, you know, three, it's like he, he would always scream at the scheduler. So, yeah, he, he, he had a temper. Jeb Bush, I've never seen go off on anybody. Jeb was like the quintessential, you know, um, George goes to Washington, humble, right. nice guy, you yeah. know, um, yeah, but John, John definitely had a temper, and everybody was like, you know, most people were intimidated because I had because I came from New York and I had, you know, I don't have an accent like I'm from Alabama. People thought, if people heard my accent, they thought like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. So I, everybody was pretty nice to me. But McCain has a uh, McCain's like a player. He likes to drink. He's like a. Yeah, were, you, he? Is a, like, were you drinking with him? No, but I know I, he, he did, and there was a lot of other stuff going on with other women and. The same thing with, you know, and his wife was around a lot and she was doing stuff. And so there was always things going on, but uh, everybody knew about it, but nobody spoke about it type of thing. Wait, did you what? love that world? Did you love the political world and all that was going on? Or, or did you well, listen, you know, well, you know what? I, I liked it. I was getting paid and yeah. I did. I did like it because I, I, I genuinely liked John McCain and I believed what he believed. I it, still do. And, uh you know, so yeah, I believe I was doing the right thing at the time, and I was getting. <laughs> I feel like that. I feel like that's like how I feel like it's almost like Hollywood now. Washington and Hollywood are like the, the same thing. Yeah, well, everybody, you know, the old saying is like, you know, Washington is Hollywood for ugly people. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that is pretty good. Um, yeah. I never heard that. Um, I'm going to give you the teeniest pass on John McCain because of his one Obamacare vote, but. Um, Thank God for that. But what if he was are still around? What would he be saving democracy, or would have been sucked into this and been I a think, name? I, I think he, I think if John was still around, he'd be out three months ago supporting Joe Biden. Yeah, you're probably. I right. think he, he he hated he hated Trump, yeah. and rightfully so. Rightfully yeah. so. Yeah. 
I, I think John would have been a, a vocal spokesperson for Joe Biden. Um, and they, if... they, they were good friends for a long time. Even, I mean, I know where, you know, John would have dinners with Joe yeah. on, you know, even in the 2008 campaign, when he, even after he was named VP for Obama. They're old friends. And, and, and I know Joe Biden's a good guy and John McCain's a good guy. Yeah, but Lindsey Graham, I, I Lindsey John... Graham was in that group and he turned. Yeah, yeah, I know Lindsey. I saw Lindsey, yeah. And, but you know what? He. I think he's playing politics a lot. I think he's just protecting his own seats and where he is. Not, uh, I don't think Lindsey has any love for Trump right. on a personal level. I think he's just playing politics. But, not, he, but he was he was best friends with John McCain. I, I know Lindsey. Yeah. I saw, I saw Lindsey a lot. He's tiny, right? <laughs> he's a little man. Now, he's a little you, gay man. Were you, stuck <laughs> on a, were you stuck on a bus traveling around with all these people? I wasn't necessarily on a bus. I was uh, most of the time. I was in uh, McLean, Virginia, or Alexandria. We had there two main offices right outside of uh, Washington in North Virginia. Most of the time, I was there. Did you move Some there? Times, I, no. I mean, I mean, well, I, we stayed at uh, Holiday Inns, so the campaign would put us up in hotels. So I lived there for most of the time. But a lot of times, I could just go to New York and just work out of my apartment. But um, sometimes, during... sometimes I was. Go ahead, go ahead. No, this is during like the rise of Obama too. Is starting to rise up, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We we were all you know thinking Hillary was going to win that, but then Obama came up like a like a phoenix and just he and he took over that that the, the Democrat side and he came on and I, I I think there was something in our campaign that we knew we couldn't beat him no matter what we did, and then they brought in Steve Schmidt who's also a good guy and mm-hmm. is also. Oh, I was I also working against Trump. He crushes yeah. Trump. Jesus, I didn't really like him oh, when yeah. he was when. The, but you know what? I I think all those guys, as much as smart as Steve Schmidt is, they all gave Trump the benefit of the doubt, and now they all had to come to Jesus. You know, but yeah, a lot of guys: Steve Schmidt, Rick Davis, uh, David Frum. Yeah. Um, there's there's a whole list of people that were worked in the McCain campaign that are now fervently working against Trump right now to help Joe Biden get elected. And I think it'll work. I, I, I don't see a path for Trump to get elected. I, I agree with you. Um, what um, Did you ever meet Megan? I saw her. I never met her, but I God, God that I wanted to meet her. I, 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 would, I, I would marry her in two seconds. <laughs> She's the worst. <laughs> She's the. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care. If she, I don't, I don't care if she, you know, puts on blackface and dances the the, the bubble. You know, she, she's got a part of the Anheuser Busch uh, of stock. I mean, she's got millions of dollars, houses all over the place. I don't really care about that. Why do you want to be such a kept man all the time? You just want to live the high life and the, the celebrity all. life. Uh-huh. Well, 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 I'm not hurting anybody. I just want to. I just want to live nice, for God's sakes. <laughs> all right. So right now we're talking to you from Orlando, Florida, which is you know that that's a weird part of the country. It's kind of red, kind of blue, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's weird because uh, the the broad I'm dating now has got a house. Broad <laughs> has a house here. We're in a gated community, and I use broad because I, I live in a I live in a bubble. I live in a 1950s Mad Men world. I'm gonna call I'm gonna call dames broads, and nothing's gonna change that. Are you wearing a mask, John? Or are you gonna be that stubborn too? No, no, no. Actually, it's a mandate. You have to wear a mask, right. and I'll wear, I'll wear a mask. I have masks. I want to wear a mask. All right. I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I, I, of course, I'm going to wear a mask. Everybody should. You're in Florida. Now, you know. I, I got out. I got out. I got out of New York because that was the epicenter of everything. Now New York's okay, and now where I am is the epicenter of everything. Yeah. Good. Well, your governor's a dumbass Republican. <laughs> Maybe that would help. 
Um, and you're in Florida, and all the people there are old, including most of the women you date, so they'll be yeah, dead soon. The yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I always like all the women. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you always did. Um, and so to wrap up this segment, your boy, um, your what? What do you think of your Republican Party now? I mean, first of all, you used to argue with Lucian to the death, which I couldn't understand you arguing with it. I mean, I, they, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. That was a very mistake. <laughs> You negated your Yankees tickets, gracious, you know. Uh, yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. what, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm lucky I got a writing gig because I think I, uh, I would have been welcome back at the comic strip. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? And, like, what's going to happen in the total world? Um, like, the Republican Party loses. They got to straighten out everything. They got to get rid of some of these people, including some guy in Florida named Matt Getz, who's, like, kind of close yeah, to that you. Uh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's just yeah, a bunch yeah. of doofuses running around. How are you going to clean that out, John? I, I think I think the Republicans, I think Trump loses the election. I think the Republicans lose the Senate, and, of course, they're going to lose the House. I think in two years, uh, it will still be the same thing. I think the the Republican nominee in four years will be probably Tom Cotton, senator from. Oh, uh, he's the worst. Mercy. Come on, man! Okay, Another Arkansas. piece of shit. No, they, they, <laughs> they're going to try to tap into the Republicans are going to try to tap into what Trump did without being Trump. I think Tom Cotton's the closest thing to uh, that, so I think he's. I think he's going to be the nominee. He's a fucking four years dick. So Repu- still, Republicans will be out of power for the next four years. Do you still keep least. in touch with all those people from the campaign and some of the people you're not, not, with? Not the McCain campaign, but the Bush I do. I mean, Jeb Bush Jr. is one of my best friends. I mean, he's out of Whoa. Florida. And we really? Out and, and, yeah, Je- yeah, Jr. He's from, yeah, Jeb's son. Well, does uh, he have any... He's, he, he's, 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 he's the grandchild that uh, George H.W. called the brown ones. <laughs> oh, wow. So is he up and coming? Uh, well, well, Jeb isn't, but his brother, uh, George, in Texas is. Uh, he's probably going to be running for governor, and I think he'll win. Um, he's very well-liked. He's very respected down there. He's been in office for years. Um, so I think that will be the next Bush that uh, kind of rises in the, on the political scene, George you, in Texas. Are you going to somehow weasel your way into the White House someday? Is that what's happening here? Well, I'm trying. <laughs> what What's your dream? I, I could have. I had two opportunities, and it still didn't work out. What's your dream position within an administration yeah uh god i would say I, 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 I would no, yes yes i want to be ambassador to uh, no no not even ambassador in, in fact in fact when i when i was on the um, bush campaign i i made deal that that i would be consulate general to florence italy i didn't want a job <laughs> like if, if, if jeb if jeb would if jeb would have won I didn't want a speech writing job i didn't want to be in the white house i wanted to be consul general to florence italy and what is that job? What's what that do job you entail? Do? Just like drinking at night? Well, yeah, you know, yeah, of course it does. You know, there's a lot of wine in Italy, so you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take a lot like of it. Yeah, that sounds like a great job. Yeah, can but you I, give but, us but a I, tour? I, I knew Florence because I, I I went to Florence, and, and another broad I was dating was way older than I was. Used to be a wine. <laughs> well, I think you might even met a wedding. I remember her. Yes, yeah, she had a website that I fixed. Yeah, this broad, Judy Beard, Judy Beardsall. Yes. Way. Way older than me. I, you know, I, I should have got the hint when she said she worked on, uh, on, uh, uh, you know, Roosevelt's campaign. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> way older than me. So, but but, but uh, she had a place in Florence, and we went to Florence for like 
you know, four or five months, and I just fell in love with the place. I met everybody. I know the city. I know people. And that was, you know, that, that that's what I wanted. I don't want to be in the White House. I don't want to be writing any shit. <laughs> I, just let me be consul general in Florence and leave me alone. Uh, right. That's it. <laughs> All right. I mean, we're coming to visit you if that happens. We'll see you in 10 years. All right, bye. <laughs> Next, let's move on. All right, the third corner I want to... Yeah, I remember that lady. Holy shit. The, the third the third corner we're going to do today, I want to talk about the, well, I, I call it the ghostwriting business, but it's, I mean, you, like you said uh, before we began, your name is on the book, and so it's not really ghostwriting. I mean, it's, No, no, yeah, yeah. It's you're the author of these books. How did you get into this business? Take me back to the first one. Was the first one Kumia? Yeah, the first book was, the first published book was Kumia. I tried, I had an, a literary agent since 2010. Because the woman, again, the one uh, mentioned in the last segment, Judy Beardsall, yeah. she had a she had a wine book out years ago from Simon and Schuster, and she was and she is like a like a, like a big time American wine expert. Mm-hmm. So I would I, I would actually cold call uh, agents and try to get her another book deal. You know, obviously with me involved, uh-huh. and and we we got a response from a big time agent uh, agency. They signed us, um, and they we. we Wrote a book proposal, wrote the book, and they couldn't sell it. So, but I was signed personally. I was signed by, and, and this is the Sandra Dykstra literary agency. So I was signed. So I had an agent now. Right. So my foot's in the door. Just getting an agent is almost impossible. Right. Just getting a literary agent. It's, and I didn't get my first book published, which, which is the Kumia book, to 2017. So I went through seven years and I think five or six different books. That just didn't sell. Well, how did you meet different people? How did you meet Anthony, and how did he say yes? Anthony came about by uh, Rick Delgado, who was their old producer of the Open Anthony Show, and he knew um, this other comic that I don't want to mention because he's right. not worthy of me mentioning his name. All right. Uh, All right. Uh, and, and and he knew that I had a literary agent and I was a writer, so we came together and we got to deal with Anthony. And at first, nobody would buy Anthony's book. But we did eventually get a buyer, Postal Press, which I still work with today. That published my last two books, and it's going to publish the next one. Right. Um, so they bought the, they bought the book, thankfully, and uh, that that's how really that book that got rolling through Rick Delgado, who was Open Anthony's producer, put everything really all the pieces together. So okay, so you you do you how do you write books like that? Do you have to meet with these people over and over, and you take out a tape recorder Wait, you, you and know ask what? Them- I, I, but you know what? I I've spoken to. I'll just say with the recent thing, I've spoken to Tom probably. I just spoke to him last night. I probably talked to Tom four or five times a week for the last twenty-two months, and I've never met him. And what? he's one of my. And he's one of. And, and, and I, he's one of my. I, I consider him one of my best friends. I talk about everything. We talk and just shoot the shit with the other. What do you mean you and never it, met him? You wouldn't get on I've a plane to go meet the guy. I, I, I've never met him in person. I've never met him in person. I've always been in New York or Florida. He's in Sherman Oaks in Los Angeles. And that, my, my co-writer, Darren, who's one of my best friends, uh, he flew out to Los Angeles in December and he met him. Uh, I wish I could have been there for that, but it, but I never met him. And so, I speak to him all the time, like literally all the time. What? And, well, so how do you and, write the book that you just ask him questions and you just start writing? Us, what, well, one of us, I mean, usually Darren would, we would interview him say for two hours and talk about a specific subject. All right, let's talk about your childhood from this year to this year. Right. Or let's talk about, uh, you know, your time in the Navy. Let's talk about the time you came out of the Navy and then right before you got into stand-up comedy. All right, now let's talk about the comedy store strikes. Let's talk about your relationship with Letterman. And then Darren would record that 
send it. We we get all the transcripts. In fact, okay, you take the shaft. I'll take this one. I'll take this one. You take that one, and then we would polish it, we edit it, polish it, put it in. Make sure everything sounds good. There's a good flow to it. Put in any sentences or words that needs to be put in. That type of thing. All right. So and how do you? That's, that's really how it works. How do you meet the guy? How do you meet Tom Dries? I, I called on Facebook. I just emailed him. Uh, uh, sent him a message on Facebook. Well, wait. Why Dreesen. Tom Dreesen? Yeah. Why Tom Dreesen? Well, he came up. I remember it was Labor Day. Um, it would be two years ago this coming up. So, and I was having a couple of drinks, and I, and I had, and I saw Tom drinking on Tom Dreesen on my Facebook newsfeed. I don't think Tom's ever done like a biography of his book. Let me just see if he's interested in this. What? And I sent him a Facebook message. I sent him a Facebook message. And his response was, Johnny, call me tomorrow. Is my number. Wow. And I spoke to him. And that's literally how it happened. And 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 he has opened the door for me to so – I mean what he's done for me is I, I can't even put into words. I mean he's opened the door. I mean we're, I'm, I'm going to be – Writing about him on another stratosphere of biographies now because of him and just doing books because of him and his connections. And, the reason why, wait, just, wait, 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 you know Tom, I know Tom Dreesen because I grew up watching him on The Tonight Show, right? That he was, that was yeah, a big thrill yeah. for me to interview him, thank you. And yeah. But you know Tom Dreesen, you couldn't have seen him. On, no, I never did, I never did. I, I knew that he had a connection to Sinatra. Right. That was it. That's that was it. it. That's all I knew when I contacted him. I said, would you be? I said listen, I, I have a literary agent. I have a publisher. I can guarantee you that this book will be published and distributed by Simon & Schuster. I'm a writer. Here's the link to my last book. And he said, Johnny, call me tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, that makes, I'm it blown makes so away. much sense to me because in a, in a, in a, he needs you. I mean, you, he's, he's been waiting for someone like you to call him his whole life. And yeah, and you, and, you, and you know what? At, at, at that time, I don't want to give away the ending of the book, but at that time, particularly, I don't know if it's divine intervention, but at that time, he was going through a lot of medical issues that he didn't know whether he would, you know, was going to survive or not, and he wanted something to leave to his grandchildren and to his family, like a testimony of a memoir. Yeah, but and I just to, happened. Yeah. I just happened to contact him at the right time and tell him that, you know, this I have a guarantee that this book mm. will be published and distributed by Simon Schuster, and it is. And yeah, I but think this is I your mean, world. That's what I just think is so interesting because this is your world. You're very interested in his life. Like that is your world. Yeah, so it was. Kind of cool it, that it, it, you met. Yeah, that was it's something kind of perfect that you met up. Yeah, it was yes. like old school. Yeah, yes, exactly. I, I don't think anybody else could have done the job. Uh, that me and Darren did for uh, Mr. Dreesen. I mean, I mean, if, if I win a Nobel Prize or if I become ambassador, it wouldn't mean anything to me compared to this book. I love this book. I feel like this book. I was meant to. I was meant to be on this earth to be a part of this book. I think and this so. Means the world to me. I mean, it's bizarre. Like he knew, he knew all those guys. You know, he knew the Rat Pack. We'll get to that in the next segment. I just want to keep going with this book and your book writing. So you were saying that. You have some other ones in the hopper because of Tom Dreesen. So, like, who? Who you got coming? You got somebody coming yeah, up that we should know about? We're talking to a lot of people. Um, Joe Mantegna, Jeremy Piven. Uh, um, uh, I don't even want it, but yeah, I don't know. You don't have to give D it away. Clint Eastwood, David Letterman, like that, that, that type of mm. level. And, that, and, that's, and that's what he opens up for us. We, um, now, do you... Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, have you gone back and now some of your earlier projects are are you pitching your own writing? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm at the point now where 
if I if I want to do a book about uh, Hitler's sister's dietary habits, <laughs> which I I, I, got, I could probably do it. I can get it done. I have no, but I want to hear about you. Do you have your? Yeah, book what's ready to where's go? the Johnny Jackets biography? It's got I would. I, don't, I think it's a little early. I'm mean, I'm still thirty seven. Which uh, sure. my my liver is ninety, but uh, <laughs> you might want to start jotting but, down but notes. I, I I still think that I think my life is still being written, but um, you know, but I'm 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 a position where anybody I work with, I become friends with, personal friends, whether my literary agent, my publisher, Anthony Cumia, um, Tom Dreesen, I become personal friends with these people. A lot of a lot of other people don't. Right. Uh, I do. So and, and I make connections and and and, and they're like personal connections. So I have a great relationship with my publisher. He's one of my best friends, and, and I can go to him and say, "Listen, you know, Lenny, if you have a book idea, I can say, hey, you know, we can do this. We actually I can do, do have I, a I book idea for you. I can do anything I want. All I right. I'm at a point where I, I can really get anything I want within reason. All right. And where do you do your Where do you do your writing? Like, where do you What's your writing style? Where do you do it? You, are you at like uh, in your office? Right on my, no, I just start on my bed on my laptop. That's it. Okay. Um, does I, any... I, I, I don't like leaving my bed. I mean, I'm you know, I, I have to walk. I have a bulldog now, so I got to walk the bulldog a couple times. Today. Other than that, it's just, just... <laughs> oh my god! Listen, did you ever have anybody that you somebody approached you and you went, "No, nah, I don't want to write that book," or vice versa? Like... Oh yeah. Oh yes. Tons, tons of people. And and and, and you know, it's it from conception to like the idea of having a book to being on bookshelves probably takes about a year and a half to two years if you're right. lucky right it's a long process when- there are tons of people that think that mom oh my life story should be a book my life tons yeah and you know and, and, and it's just it, it's just not that way sometimes it just doesn't work out that way the, uh, i'm not so talking yes. about i'm not talking about your life story i'm talking about the johnny jackets character in a book over and over again, and over and over, because that is just a great character in any book. I am a great, I am, I am a character. I, 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 you know, and it only grow. I think the Johnny Jackets legend will only grow. I am, New York, I am an old New York character, and it'll only get better. I'm only 37 for God's sake. So I just put in a free order on Amazon. Uh, thank you, pal. You made me about three. You made me about three dollars and seventy-five cents. Uh, let me ask you something. So, how did these books? So, these books are making money for the publisher, or they? Would- oh yeah. See, I mean, the Dreesen one is selling like I mean, he's already not even two weeks out, and he already is in his second printing. Oh wow. So I, yeah. So he, the, the Dreesen book is selling unbelievably well, and and the Kumia book is still selling well, particularly the audio book. Selling well. He said from from a total of the publisher, it's selling about thirty to forty five copies just on audio a week for the Kumia book. That's fantastic. And the Dreesen book. The Dreesen book's going to be a long haul. I mean, uh, because of all this COVID and everything else that's going on, he can't go on certain shows yet. But when it opens up, he'll go back on, you know, he'll go on Rogan. He'll do, you know, Tonight Show, these things. But, um, you know, now it's difficult. I mean, could you pick a diff- more difficult time in the history of America besides the Civil War? To <laughs> it's awful right now. It is really bad. But when he comes to New York, I want mine signed because I went and bought it. Oh yeah, you, know, you guys will meet him, he's, and, he's, and he's coming to New York. I mean, Letterman's gonna throw a big book party for him. Um, Sal's, uh, I mean, uh, Sal's Scagamello over at Patsy's, gonna throw a big that's book right. party for him. That's right. That's that's right around. That's close to you, Lenny. Yeah. Or, right or on the west side. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're, we're, we're gonna be in New York. Clint Eastwood's gonna throw a big thing. Uh, <laughs> Gary Sinise is gonna throw a big thing. Mantegna's doing something. So I mean, when everything opens up, so we're in the long haul. I mean, so now we're just in the pushing of this book. I mean, for at least the next six eight months. And now are you talking uh are you talking uh 
television to Netflix and these channels too now or no? Well, Tom has uh, – she's talking to Netflix about um, – his relationship with Tim Reed. I think he touched on that when you guys interviewed him. Yeah, and he yeah, already he really wrote that book, though. He already has a book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as I, my my uh, true crime novel, that is, uh, we have a deal with uh, Lifetime Television, but uh, we haven't heard from them in like three months because everybody is just because of the COVID thing. I mean, we do have a deal with them, so I don't know what the status of that is yet. But well, I know we a couple of money from that. I know a couple of actors that you could use. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, body snatch his wife. Yeah. No, yeah, 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 and that's kind of a departure for me doing like a true crime novel, out of you know in, in between um, two biographies. But um, all right, let me yeah, ask. That, that was fun to do. Let me ask you one more question. So, is there anybody out there that you said, "Wow, if I could write that book, or if I could meet them and write that," who's your dream get now? I I, I was in Eastwood, Quint Eastwood. Oh wow, Quint Eastwood or Letterman? Quint Eastwood or Letterman? I think Letterman. And, and, you know, and that's not, I, I, but, you know, again, uh, you know, Dreesen's such good friends with both of them. And you know, that, that's how we have the connection to them. Well, you better and, get to Clint quick. He's 90. I know. There have been so many times where we were going to talk to Tom and he'd be like, oh, wait, listen, uh, my dinner, I, I just had dinner with Quint. It's running a little late. Can, you, can I call you back in a half hour? Or I just had to, no, I'm at dinner with Dave right now. It's like, holy shit. Okay, yeah. Go close when you can. <laughs> I mean, no, both those guys are not really like friendly types, so you're gonna have to like work your charm, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I can work with anybody, and again, I, I I I make friends with everybody I work with, you know. Right. Um, even like you know, and, and we're in serious talks with you know, Natania and Piven, and so I mean, and I think Piven on the it's, it's not known for being you know the easiest person, but I I I, I, I could I'm, I'm very versatile. I can work with anybody. Uh, All right. Uh, Good luck. All right. Let's move on. Um, The last thing I want to do now, we play a game in the fourth corner. Uh, A lot of times, John, it's called this, that, and the other thing. I'm going to give you a choice of one, two, three, or four things. And you can go off the board if you don't like the the choices I give you. Okay? So you just just have to justify your choice. That's all. And I want to start with a big one since it's probably going to lead us down the road a little bit. Frank, Sammy, Dino, or Joey Bishop? Which one would you have loved to meet? Which one would you have been like? I mean, if I had to say, Johnny, pick one of them. Frank, Sammy, Dino, or Joey? Uh, I'd be like Joey, and I'd want to meet Frank. That's cool. I mean, if you... and um... Oh, a matter of fact, I actually wrote... I, when I was in high school... The old Joey Bishop show used to be on reruns on TV land at like 630 in the morning. And I would watch them. And I actually I found out Joey Bishop's address and I sent him a letter like I, I'm thinking about going to stand up comedy. Do you have any advice? And he mailed me back. I remember I walked in the door oh one day. God. Yeah. And my mother and my, and my mother's handing is, is holding an envelope. She goes, did you write Joey Bishop? <laughs> I said, God damn right I did. I took the envelope, ran upstairs to my room, opened it. I, I, he has a signed, a signed little character of him, and he and he wrote advice. He said, work clean. Oh, wow. I have, a, I, I, I have framed and posted. So I was always, yeah. I, I Be like Joey, I want to meet Frank. So I know so much about Frank just talking to Tom. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. What, what do you think it would have been like if you, do you have a dream about like you're in Vegas and you're hanging out with the Rat Pack, and you're drinking with Frank till like six o'clock in the morning, like Tom was saying, like you, you know, yeah. and gambling. Oh, shit, yeah, yeah. You ever think Absolutely. about that? I fit in like a glove, like yeah. an absolute glove. You, you, the, Absolutely, yeah. I should have been there. 
I, it's like uh, I was transplanted to like now. I should have been there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Um, who do you think you would have been good friends with from that time? I don't know. That's, I, 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 and Margaret? Oh, on the broad side? Any of them. <laughs> any of that whole scene, man. Tell me anything. I think, you know, Dean, you would think it up, but, but Dean was such an introvert, and Dean just wanted to stay to himself, play golf, didn't want to hang out with anybody. Right. Uh, I, I, I still think, you know, and Sammy, I don't know if I would get along with Sammy, outside of, you know, like, just regular, like, hello, how are you? I, I, think, I think Frank, because Frank would like to stay up and drink, and that's what I'd do, because he's a drinker, and I'm a drinker. All right, Neil, which and, one? Frank, Sammy, Dino, or Joey? Yeah, I would have went with Frank. Just I don't. I mean, I guess he he would have seemed like the most interesting of all of them. I would have probably been hanging with Joey because we were comics, right? I'm thinking I would have known Joey right. pretty well, and I would have met those guys, whatever. But um, I think, uh, and I think, I think I would have let to pal around with Sammy for a while. That would probably be just watching that guy work. There's great. Uh, there's, there's so many great Sammy stories in the Dreesen book. All right, Tom, you know, and, and Tom mentioned a few. You know, because he, he toured with him for three years. He's got so many great Sammy stories. All right. Yeah, he was saying that they were all gambling, too. They weren't just drinking. They were gambling. Oh, no. I, and, you know, that was the other thing, Neil, because I, I was on your path watch, listening to that interview because you wanted to know exactly what happened, you know, after the show. What, what would you do? <laughs> Where would you hang out? Where would you gamble? What are you doing? That's exactly the stuff of, like, inside detail stuff that I want to know, too. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah, and they did. They, I, I don't think Tom was heavy on that end. Yeah. You know, but no, he didn't, didn't have the... But even by like like say if Sammy or Dean if they if they went into a casino after the show, the house would just give them like thirty grand, and then all the crowd you know they, they would be on the arm. Right. You know they yeah, they, they, they wouldn't pay for anything. They wanted them on those tables gambling, right? To, yeah. to brag about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. That I'm gonna true. let's go to the next one. All right. I'm gonna give a choice: Vegas, New York, or Hollywood. To live in or what? Whatever. Uh, Your thoughts. Vegas, New York, or Hollywood? I don't know. I got New York. It's still in my soul. It's still in my, it's still in my, uh, it's like the Woody Allen thing. You yeah. know, it's, it, you're, you're still going to wind up, if you're a New Yorker and it's in your soul, you're still going to be there. I, I, I want to be buried in Manhattan. And that's, yeah, it's New York. But so everything else. What are you doing in Orlando? Why are, you, why are you in Orlando? For the girl? Yes. <laughs> Wait, how do you? That's exactly why. Did you meet her here, and then she's like, "Come with me to Orlando." No, well, she lived in Florida, and you know, and we met in New York, and yeah, I came down here. Damn! All right, she must be something else. Oh yes. uh, yeah. Or yeah, she damn. must be filthy, stinking rich. One of those two. <laughs> yes, yes, that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Neil, which one? Vegas, New York, Hollywood. Neil Definitely also- New York. And New York, and then obviously I would love to have like a small place in L.A. up in the Hollywood Hills, but definitely New York, no doubt about it. Dion does love Vegas, so it's, that's weird that you guys both didn't put Vegas either, and I didn't even hear it mentioned, but yeah, me, it's New York, obviously, and I go reluctantly to Hollywood, and I can't stand Vegas, so that's my I mean, order. Vegas is, Vegas is a little worrisome right now. I mean, it's got a real big problem with this whole thing. Yeah, well, it does. Yeah. But even when it's pumping, unless I was back in the Rag Pack days, I could just see it. I would love to have gone with John, and just hung out and seen it. But absolutely. Now it's like you know, it's a it's it's a carnival there. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous, and um, it's not Vegas isn't what it was. But it's no, still the Vegas, Vegas was at its best when the mob ran it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, <clears throat> it's nice to see, and then. 
But yeah, Hollywood, like I said, reluctantly, which Neil and I will be doing. We're getting pulled into show business soon. Um, so the third one I want to do is, okay, steakhouse or fancy hotel room? Like, which one would you rather have? You can go off the board, John, for a third one if you want. I'm I'm thinking no, winery. No, fa- fa- fancy hotel room, four seasons, beautiful. <laughs> what is your favorite swanky thing, John? Do you like uh, do you like hotel rooms? Is that like a thing, or you like I bars? I, I love hotel room. You know what I love? I love I love the Carlisle Hotel. I love uh, the St. Regis. I love uh, Bellman's Bar at the Carlisle. I, I love that. That, that that that's me. I love that. It's always, not always... not Airbnb, right? You don't like that. <laughs> oh, fuck that! Jesus Christ. <laughs> me neither. I like hotels. You like checking in as a high roller. And you know what? I love bringing my bulldog. To, I we, I brought my bulldog to the Four Seasons over in uh, Disney, and you know I I get all kinds of free shit just because people love my bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Neil, what's your favorite thing? Steakhouse, fancy hotel room. I mean, hopefully they go together, but no, I'd, I'd, much, I'd much rather get a uh, fancy hotel room, I guess. You know what? I wasn't really a fancy hotel room guy until you stay in a fancy hotel. Like, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I'll th- change your mind quick. Well, yeah, I go with, I think Norton stays at, um, like, the Ritz or whatever, and you stay at the Ritz once, you're like, okay, you got me. When I go to London, I stay at this five-star hotel. It's like the low-end five-star but I have to admit, it just makes you. It just it just makes everything so much better, and it's just a really nice. I don't know. I really like it. And then that the Hay Adams Hotel in DC is. Yes. I mean, they say your name when you walk in. It's not bad. They're like, "Oh, hello, Mr. Potter. Welcome yeah. back." That has to be shocking <laughs> that it's that nice. Yeah. I'm like, I go. That's what I'm paying for. I'm paying for them to say, "Hey, Mr. Potter." I'm paying like five hundred dollars. <laughs> hey, Mr. Potter. Yeah. I'm like, I guess if I if it would cost two hundred if you don't say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, God forbid you stay at a Holiday Inn. Um, all right, John, which season? Uh, I'm gonna go. By the way, with on that one, um, I'm gonna go. Mm, what's my, I don't really have a swanky thing. I mean, I don't have a thing like that. I'm not paying extra money for somebody to say my name when I'm laying low. I don't have. I like the first right, class. Right, right. You know got, what? Like, if I was ever, if I ever went like, I'm always going to use the name Rupert Pupkin if I ever do like, <laughs> like a name going into a hotel. First class, first class flight to me is still the greatest thing you could do. Well, I mean, that's a different. I world. don't know. That kind of ends quick, though, right? If it's a flight, it's over. I don't care. It makes me want to come back for more. Either that or the, you know, Neil will tell you the swankiest thing right behind home plate, Yankee Stadium. That's that's my job. That's nice. Yes. All right. Well, I could see. What about living in a hotel for like a, a certain amount of time? Would you do that? I can't see that, John. Can you? I could see John Absolutely. living in a hotel. Yeah, Absolutely. in a, a bathrobe. No I could see John Absolutely. next to the pool, bathrobe, laptop, sunglasses. I live at, C- I, I live, I live at Caesar's Palace or the Venetia or the Bellagio. <laughs> Absolutely, no question. <laughs> Could happen. All right, which season fails first, John Russo? Basketball, baseball, football, or are they all finish? No, I, 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 I know basketball is going to be a touchy one, uh, but I don't care about that anyway because I'm a disgruntled Knicks fan, and Knicks were horrible for 20 years, so yeah, I don't man. care about basketball. But I, the baseball, I want to see back, and, and it's going to start with a July something this month, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's kind of July 26, I think it is, 24, 26. That I want to see. I just want to see baseball back. That's really all I care about right now. And, and But it's still going to be, I think I think the National League is going to do the DH rule too now, so I, I, I and that's going that way anyway. But yeah, baseball, I want to see. I want to see basketball fail. 
I want to see basketball fail big time. <laughs> I, I hope they all get COVID. Every single player on every team gets basketball. <laughs> Neil, which one's going to fail first? I, I think they're all going to go. I don't know which one's going to have fans first, but my guess is it would be college football is going to just pile in fans and just say screw it. Mm. But I, I say none of them fail. I think that all the sports know how to do it. There'll just be no crowds at any of them. And, and yeah. It'll just be for people to gamble on and people to watch on TV. I mean, they're just, they're, I don't know, no crowds. But I, so I say they all go, they all go up and running. Well, I say, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I can't say, wait. I, I want to bet, bet, you know, the Brewers and the Diamondbacks. <laughs> <laughs> and then rip up the ticket because you, you have yes. no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I have. Uh, I'm gonna go. Basketball is gonna fail. It's gonna go. They're gonna go ten games, and then the hookers that get into Disney there, John, are just gonna. You're right. I think you're 100 percent right. And then, uh, and then baseball, they won't make it through spring training. By the end of spring training, there'll be so little amount of guys on a team, and then football is just gonna be a complete abortion. It's just gonna. But be they have that app. That all of them are gonna have that app on the phone. Your phone, your phone is uh, goes off when someone comes in with like two, two, like six feet of you, and the phone starts beeping. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see this. all this crap works. <laughs> all right, one more. I think we have time for one more. Okay, which state, John, goes blue first, Texas, Arizona, or Florida? Arizona. It's going blue. Yeah? All right, there you go. Neil? I'm going with Texas. Oh, that's oh, that's a, it, Everybody says that, but I, you know, my best friends are Texans, and they've been, and they're actually a little worried about it, but it's not to the point where it's like, all right, it's going to happen now. It might happen five ten years from now it won't happen now but eventually i think it will happen it's gonna be austin san antone and then and then houston is such a shit show right now that maybe some of that could turn into well the the reason why they think texas is gonna go blue because of the the um all the companies from other states texas has such low taxes on companies state taxes that, that doesn't exist so all companies from blue states like california or you know, you know, Seattle. They go to Texas, and now that's been populated by you know liberals from those cities, and that's kind of helping why Texas is kind of trending toward blue. Well, yeah. the cities also are there. I mean, the the kids are growing up today. They're not as you know. Uh, I mean, the the world is turning brown. They're not. It's not as white as it once was. Well, for me, it is. I'm I'm, I'm in my little bubble, in me. Don't burst my white beautiful bubble. I forgot. Um, <laughs> But Florida is in jeopardy as well, John. It's always 50-50, and then something weird happens yeah, it down there. It's a coin there. toss. It's a coin toss. It's a yeah, co- it's, it's, Florida is always a coin toss, and I think that's what, the way it will be for at least another no, you know, two three go- election cycles. Well, I'm going Florida. It's a, it's going to go blue this time. Um, all right, last one. You can appear in one movie, John Russo. One movie. Yes. Godfather, Goodfellas, or Broadway Danny Rose. Which one would you be Broadway in? Danny, Broadway Danny Rose. No that's question. That's where my heart is. Yeah, I mean, you'd think I would think Goodfellas or uh, Godfather, right? But uh, and, and and by the way, I could I could recite every line, every scene, every image, every anything from any of those movies from start to finish. <laughs> uh, Neil, which one? You want to appear in one? Uh, I mean, Godfather. Yeah, I, I don't know what I'd play in it, but I'd be in that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're uh, you get bumped off by Luca Brasi somewhere along the way. Who knows? I could have stood outside the hospital and acted like that. <laughs> you could have been like Enzo the Baker, but like a Jewish man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could, I could have done that, and my hand would have been shaking. I would have pissed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the story. You know, at the beginning, Luca Brazzi, the guy who plays him, is so nervous because he's got to act with Brando that he cannot get the words out. And they were like, you know what? Just roll. 
<laughs> and that's how they they yes. wrote it. They kind of wrote his nervousness in, and that's how it went. Um, yeah. I'm uh, I'm going with um, I think I'm going with Goodfellas. I don't know why. I have no idea why. I thought about this for a long time. I'd be honored to be in, obviously, any of them. Broadway, Danny Rose, to sit around that table would have been the world's greatest thing. But at the beginning, but yes, um, but Goodfellas, good I, don't know. I don't know. I'd be. Would you, would you be the spaghetti or marinara where Ray Oda complains at, at the end? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I would definitely be bumped off somewhere along the way. I'd be like Maury's son. <laughs> You remember the guy with the hairpiece, Maury Sutton? The, yeah, you know. Maury, yeah. Oh, you know, and, and you know what? That, that, that was Robert De Niro's landlord. Oh, who was? In Tribeca. Yeah, oh, that was his landlord. God. That's how That's how he got the part in that movie. He was I, Robert this, De Niro's landlord. Well, John Russo, <laughs> you're always proven it's who you know more than, you know, what you yes, can do. Yes, it is. All yeah, right. It really is. All right, the way we end the show every week, John, is uh, one good thing that's happened to you or one bad thing that's happened to you during the week. You can do both. You can do, you can do whatever you want here. Um, okay. I'm going to start this week. Um, my good thing of the week is Neil and Bethel actually walked into my apartment in person, which is the first time in like four months that we've actually seen anybody. I mean, we were wearing masks and paranoid, of course, but uh, Neil and Bethel came in person. Birdie loved it, you know, and uh, Gina didn't have to watch the baby for a whole five minutes while Bethel held her. So, I mean, we... Uh, that five minutes was heaven for the both of us that we could just sit and talk to nice, real people. Nice. And yeah. So even the hour there was like a cool breeze. Thank you, Neil and Bethel. Um, go ahead, Neil. You got one. Yeah, I, I, I have so many, I mean, I, cause I came back to New York and it was so good to be back in New York and ride the bike around central park. It was pretty cool. And, but I guess my favorite thing was, uh, I went, <laughs> we went to that bakery late love, Le'Veon, whatever yeah. it's called. Le'Veon bakery. Yeah. Well, Levain, Le- Levain. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Did you buy the I got new six chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, six the, the new ones, huh? Yeah, I got two of the new ones. I got two of each, and then I was obviously I got them because I was going to give them to people as gifts, but I've since eaten all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame oh, you. Slob. Right. <laughs> well, my, my my good thing is that I haven't killed anybody yet this week. That's good. And, uh, <laughs> I haven't killed anybody this week. <laughs> so it's, just, it's, it's basically... Well, who are you killing? Works. You stay into yourself. You're living in the bubble. Who are you mad at? Who are you killing? I don't know. I, can, I, I don't know. If any, I'm going to be like that couple in Missouri that comes out with the guns. And, you know, <laughs> 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 any of the protests... Anybody, any protests in my gated Florida secure community? <laughs> oh, you're ridiculous. Oh, also, I want to say shout out to, obviously, Carl Reiner. That he's yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Big yeah. loss. That was another thing. I, I was talking to Tom last night about that, and Tom was, you know, uh, Carl Reiner was one of the guys that gave Tom his first break on a show called Good Heavens, I think, back in 1976. Wow! Oh, wow! That's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, and he, well, 90 years old. He had a great run, and what a legend! What a career! Absolutely. Yeah, we listened to me and Bethel listened to the 2000 year old man. That's, oh, that's great! So yeah. funny. It still holds up. It's yeah. Pretty those guys, their yeah. timing is impeccable on that, too. Like, the writing's great, the timing's great, and it's so funny. It's like he could throw anything at Mel Brooks. It seems like it's going to be funny. Um, Absolutely. Um, all right. So, John Russo, how social media, you have no social media. Well, I'm on Facebook, but only for friends. Uh, you know what? All I want to plug is the Tom Dreesen book. Yeah, still standing. Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble, and still standing. Buy the Tom Dreesen book. You're going to love it. Your parents will love it. Well, it's on the second uh, printing. Yeah, the, anybody who is, uh, you know, I'd say over 45 years old remembers Tom Dreesen. <laughs> and if 
This is a great book for Christmas, right? You know, to put in your yes, parents. Christmas, also my crime novel, great for Christmas. You always want death during uh, holidays. And uh, also the Anthony Cumia book. Yeah. So uh, I have a three that you can, any any viewer can choose from at their own bush. Well, John, thank you That's so amazing. thank you so much for uh, first of all giving us Tom Dries, and second of all, I think that there's a book in your life as well, even to age thirty eight. There will be eventually. Yeah, there'll be there will be one eventually. I still got a lot of uh, breaking balls to do in my life. Oh, please let me write think, the forward for that. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's just Johnny Jacket solving crimes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. a young guy. He's a drinker. It's like you know you bring him back like a Philip Marlowe kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I go into I go into the chop zone in Seattle and soft crunch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, John, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate thank, it. Thank you, Lenny. Lenny, I love you. Neil, I love you. Great to talk to you guys. I appreciate it. I'll see every- so much fun. That was. We'll see everybody next Thanks, week. Thanks, guys. Four Corners Podcast was created, hosted, produced, and engineered by me, Lenny Marcus. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcast.